Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris, comma, Delano. Oh. Cruel. Um, <laughs> we have literally no exciting news to talk about. Nothing so happened not today. Have, nothing happened the day of this recording other than the Brothers War pre-beat. So we got to see some cards and art and stuff from Brothers War. And that's not very exciting. Nobody's interested in that. It's actually really cool. We have meld <laughs> cards. We have a five ability Urza. Six ability. Hell. Urza has, Six a, ability? has a passive. Yeah, there's a passive ability in there. Ugh, yeah, okay. He has. I think it counts. I guess. Uh, we've, we've got Teferius Healy art. The world, the most important part of all Brothers War, we have finally seen Ashnod's goth bob. Um, and I was challenged on Twitter to say Ashnod's goth bob ten times fast, and so here we go. Ashnod's goth bob, 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 Ashnod's goth bob. I'm not counting. I don't know if that was ten, but I think that was pretty good. So It wasn't ten, but I'm going to ask you to 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 accept your winnings there. You did it. Uh, Caleb Krug has a set. She is black. No, she's red-white. Okay, her card uh, is red-white, but she yes. is black. Haters die forever. Um, God, her card is so cool. Her card is super cool. Her art is also incredible, and we got two different versions of it. It's it's really exciting stuff. Yeah, we've got this set's version of the Mystical Archives, which are uh, old-bordered artifacts. So they'll be legal and limited, not legal and standard. And then they also have these fancy blueprint versions with alternate flavor texts. Uh, and so uh, uh, they also have like the 500 limited edition versions that only show up on collector boosters, which is like wild, I guess. That's a thing that exists. We're also getting two commander decks, one of which is led by Urza, the other one by Mishra. So we're getting at least two Mishra cards, and at least three Urza cards, kind of, in this mm-hmm. set, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we'll also get a third Mishra card, but we don't know yet. It's a cool set. Uh, I believe I believe we saw Hercule also. We saw art, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the art, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we confirmed Gix. We're, we're finally getting a Gix card after all these years. Will our basic lands with mechs on them? Uh, it's gonna be sweet as hell. I'm big excited for this set. Uh, Jay and I did, we're on the creative text team. Um, yeah. But, wait, hold on. I just looked at our agenda, and I thought we were talking, finally getting to Dominara United Flavor Gems, but this says Flavor Gems? Yeah. The Jameses of the set, got it. Only Um, the Jameses, but the short versions. Got it, got it, got it. It's a shame that uh, James is back on D&D and not <laughs> on Magic anymore. Um, uh, no, we are actually going to talk the flavor gems of Dominaria United, so get ready to do some crunching because we've got some some Power Stones to eat. Nom, God, nom, this, nom. <laughs> this is a tricky flavor gem set. There's a lot. Oh, there's a lot. And Did we break Dominaria into two episodes? The uh, last Dominaria set? I don't remember. Doesn't <laughs> matter. We're doing one episode. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> Uh, so, I, I guess let's just go talk about Flavor Gems of Dominari United. Uh, yeah. Start with Planeswalkers. We didn't actually put names next to any of these <laughs> Planeswalkers. 
So, uh, I mean, like traditionally we start with the, the main characters of the story, which are the yeah. planeswalkers. Um, so we've got all returning faces. These are all mm-hmm. planeswalkers we're familiar with. Uh, of course we have, you know, the sort of perspective of the set, the, you know, person whose vision is being seen through, uh, whatever that term is called, which I've forgotten what you call that point of view character. Perspective. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got Karn living legacy, uh, it's a uh, it's a new Karn card, which is really exciting. Uh, it's another four mana Planeswalker Karn with a plus one and a minus one. Uh, this time, though, he has like a real ultimate where it's minus seven. You get an emblem of tap an untapped creature you control. This emblem deals or untapped artifact you control. This emblem deals three damage to any target. So it's a pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, we've got Karn. He's the, the best golem. He's in the story. He's in the set. Not... Not much else to say. Living Legacy is a pretty fitting name for him. Yeah, he's he's worried about Phyrexia and no one believes him. You can listen to our story summaries to hear all about his stuff. Karn's sad, and I like that about him. He's a sad robot, but does not ETB grab you a basic land. Um, we also have a returning Planeswalker and reprinted Planeswalker, Liliana of the Veil, who features mostly in a side story where we learn who the Raven Man is, uh, which we've covered already in the podcast, but uh, real exciting reprint, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Really fun way to uh, to have Liliana of the Veil and have her name mean something, even though the Veil is gone, by focusing on her legacy with the Veil, which I thought was really cool. Um, since, like, you know, her whole, like, a lot of her history is wrapped up in her time with the Veil, uh, and now that it's gone, she's not Liliana with the veil. She's Liliana of the veil. Uh, so, yeah. Cool reprint. Um, then we have a sort of our dynamic duo of the set, in a way. Uh, definitely have some interactions in the story. We get a Jaya Fiery Negotiator, which is our third Jaya Planeswalker card, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and a Johnny Sleeper Agent, who is just your friend. Don't worry about it. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> Johnny gets good. I have seen so many great comics, uh, comics, geez, uh, comments about the uh, Johnny Sleeper Agent VO that I wrote for Arena. Uh, people are really upset and really unsettled by it. And I'm glad I succeeded. Because uh, you don't have to twist his views that much to align them with Phyrexia. And I think... Uh, one one of the best comments I reactions I saw was uh, someone being like, "Johnny, no, those are the words you're supposed to say about your friends, not these villains." And I'm like, "Yes, exactly." Ha ha ha. This is hello, game companies out there. Hire me to write all your villains. I love it enthusiastically so much, <laughs> and I'm very good at it. A <laughs> uh, Johnny also uh, has five different versions of his card in this Too set. Many. Um, yeah, he's got like a base card version. He's got a Phyrexian frame version, a Phyrexian language Phyrexian frame version, and then two different borderless versions, uh, because one of them is a Johnny sleeper agent looking all nice and friendly. And one of them is a Johnny sleeper agent looking not very nice and friendly. So, uh, keep your eye out for, for Johnny here. Um, the Jaya is really cool. She's got four abilities, which is like pretty, pretty much like a hallmark of a powerful planeswalker card. Um, mm-hmm. she creates oh. Carol keep monks kind of, um, it's very cool. Uh, big fan of, big fan of Jaya. Um, but those uh, are, 
Her her card's pretty sweet. Uh, my one partner's been playing her in Pioneer in uh, Mono Red and Pioneer. Um, had has had some good success with her. I uh, I did have the the opportunity at my pre release that I went to to use Extinguish the Light on Jaya Fiery Negotiator. So I got to to play out the climax of the story. Excellent. Uh, it was a good moment. Uh, but those are our four planeswalkers for the set. Um, all returning characters. We've talked about the story ad nauseum at this point. We're not going to keep covering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. All right. Our next ses- section called Legends That Matter, because there's about 10,000 legends in this set between this and, and the commander and a bonus thing. And uh, so we're going to talk about the legends that matter to the story, really. Um, and uh, at least in this section. Uh, so we start with Rona, Shieldred's Faithful. Rona is a member of the, uh, blanked on the, the somethings of Mishra. Society of Mishra. Society of Mishra, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are Gix worshippers who believe that Phyrexia was right, and they're kind of the secret society within the Talarian Academy system, uh, led by Rona. And so uh, Rona presumably gets in contact uh, with Tezzeret at some point and hosts Shield Red and the uh, Phyrexian soldiers that get transported in secret uh, that begin the sleeper agent program. She gets some uh, small Phyrexian upgrades at that point. She is a a big fan of proving herself one of the, the true faithful that brings Phyrexia home to Dominaria. And we love her for that. Uh, Shieldred, obviously. The Apocalypse. Uh, get it? Because it's a Phyrexian invasion, like an Apocalypse. It's a good name reference. Uh, Shieldred is here. It gets rebuilt uh, in, in a big Dreadnought-sized body and wrecks some shit. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she literally, Rona literally brings Shieldred to Dominaria. Like, literally. Uh, which I like. Um... Shieldred the Apocalypse, she's like a really powerful card, too. She's four mana, four five with Death Touch and is mm-hmm. continuing the theme of like when your opponent does thing bad, shame, shame. When you do thing good, good, good player, um, because when your opponent draws a card, they lose two life. When you draw a card, you gain two life. So uh, she's been seeing a lot of play. Also, she's uh, just a really cool card, really cool story moments. Um, she's absolutely creepy and terrifying, and the way she talks is super scary. Uh, absolutely looking forward to seeing more of her in the future sets, because she's, like, kind of my favorite Praetor. I mean, Elish Norn's probably my favorite, but we haven't seen her new card yet. Uh, then we have Urtai Resurrected. Uh, Urtai, one of the old Light members, uh, was an asshole, arrogant... Talarian wizard who was the ship wizard who uh, gets left on wrath uh, of his own volition, sort of. Um, you know, he has to stay behind and hold a portal open, and then the Phyrexians get him, uh, and he is accidentally killed by Squee during the invasion. Uh, but his corpse, or the pile of ashes of whatever's left of him, is found by uh, Shieldred and uh, fully reanimated with dark Phyrexian magic. And so Urtai is back and uh, gets to do some heckin' Phyrexian violence. Good for him. Mm, not the fan. 
we had a very long discussion about Urtai's resurrection that I'm not going to retread, but it's on a previous episode. I think it's the first or second of the two story episodes we did. Um, I think the card is really cool. The art is incredible. Uh, they made Urtai look cool instead of looking kind of weird. Um, so big fan. Uh, but uh, this is not the end of the Phyrexian forces on uh, on Dominaria. They've got a few other friends, uh, including uh, Aaron Banalia's Ruin, who was the completed version of Aaron Capuchin. So in the story, we have the Phyrexians stealing Aaron Capuchin and running off with him and Ajani following behind. And Urtai himself sees to the completion of Aaron. Also, assumedly, Urtai would also have seen to the completion of Ajani in some ways. I guess Jingataxius probably had to be involved somewhere in there. Um, I don't know, though. We don't really know how Ajani got completed. Anyways, Aaron uh, Benalia's Ruin, he is a legendary creature. He is very cool. The biggest, coolest thing about him is actually just that he's Aaron Benalia's Ruin. He's the father of Danatha and Raph. And we got Danatha in a card called Danatha, Benalia's Hope which uh, she is back for the set. So we last saw her. She was an uncommon, I believe, in the original Dominaria set. I think she, so. She's now a rare. She's a five-mana 4-4. Four, four. She's got First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink. She's plays around with auras and equipment again. Uh, just really cool to see her back in sort of like a grown-up version of who she was before. Um, but the naming convention there I thought was really cool, that she's Benalia's uh-huh. Hope and her dad was Benalia's Ruin. Uh, yeah, I literally didn't notice the naming convention until they were listed next to each other. In our- <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she's sort of part of the coalition, and we have a lot more members of the coalition, including some old faces. Uh, and by old, I mean like really old. Their faces aren't that old, though, because they're kind of immortal. Um, we have Joda the Unifier, who is a five mana Legendaries Matter card because Joda is playing the role of like head of the coalition, taking up the mantle of his great ancestor, Urza Planeswalker, um, who led the coalition during the first uh, invasion. Or at least was like, you know, part of the leadership of the coalition. Um, So Joda is here. He's a five mana, five color legendary, uh, gives all legendary creatures you control, plus X plus X, where X is the number of legendary creatures. And uh, whenever you uh, cast legendary spells, you get to legendarily cascade. So that's pretty cool. Um, He's joined by his ex, uh, Joyra Ageless Innovator. We got another Joyra card. Uh, This one, I think, actually, like, it's the bill of a Joyra card pretty well. Her her first card played around with Suspend for some reason, because I guess time bubbles and it was Time Spiral. And uh, her second card played around with, like, drawing cards off of historic things, which wasn't really, like, a thing you'd expect an artificer to do. But this Joyra is definitely a human artificer. She is super artificery. Uh, she allows you to put ingenuity counters on her, and then you cast artifact spells with mana value less than the ingenuity counters on her. Uh, I think that's just, like, a really cool way to, to show Joyra. She's also, like... Her art has her, like, standing over some cannons on the mana rig. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I opened her in my pre-release kit and also opened two artifacts. So, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
Uh, then we have Karn Silex, uh, which is the Golgothian Silex. Karn excavated it in the last Dominaria set for War of the Spark, and he's been kind of hanging on to it all this time and studying it um, in secret, and it's... MacGuffin is not the right word for this set. It is it is the big important object, though, that only Karn knows where it's stashed until the end, uh, where it gets heckin' destroyed by a Johnny. Oops. Well, there goes all our hope for setting off a nuke on New Phyrexia. Hmm. Hmm. Too bad we can't do anything about that. Absolutely nothing at all. Not even with these <laughs> brilliantly found plans by this fire uh, planeswalker. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, just don't even bother looking at the Sahili art that got shown today for Brothers War. Just ignore yep. that. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Our next card is Weatherlight Completed, which makes me very, very sad as I grew up on the, on the, the Weatherlight Saga and seeing it completed makes me very, 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 very sad. And like Tiana, sick to my stomach, but it happened, and so be it. Uh, yeah, it's a card. It's a, it's a choice that was made, and I will mourn it forevermore. One of my uh, favorite things about Weatherlight Completed is that it literally is a vehicle without a crew cost, which we don't get very often. Uh, you can only turn it into a creature by sacrificing your own creatures for it. It's pretty grim. It's very grim, actually. Our next card is a vehicle that I'm very happy to see, even though it doesn't fly like I thought it should. And that is the Golden Argosy, which is uh, spelled with two S's, not one. Uh, it's, no, it's spelled with one it, S. Are you sure? Argosy. Yeah, it's not the it's not the Argosy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's corrupted my brain. I think no, it has. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Okay, I'm wrong. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, that's the thing. <laughs> oh my God. Tell, tell us about the Golden Argosy before we, <laughs> before we get too sidetracked. Well, we were trying not to bang my head into the desk because that's corrupted my brain now. Um, anyway, the Golden Argosy is a fabled uh, ship of, uh, of yore that uh, arose to the need of the Keldons <laughs> after the false twilight. Um, in the Dominarian invasion, the original invasion, and it ferried the surviving Keldons and Eladomri's troops from the uh, necropolis to Koilos, where they rejoined the rest of the uh, Dominarian coalition to fight with Urza and, re- and close the gate at Koilos. Um Super cool that it actually got a card. Um, and I love the fact that it blinks all of your your creatures that crewed it, essentially giving them revitalization and letting them do their thing again, which is kind of what it ha- what they did what it did in the books because it essentially they they got onto it and woke up refreshed where they needed to be. And I love the flavor of this card. Yeah, it uh it doesn't have flying. Yeah. That, it is genuinely just baffling to me that it doesn't have flying. Yeah, it, it should have flying. And the fact that it doesn't it makes me very sad. But, you know, um, it's whatever. It's a flying boat. It's it's flying in its art. It's just it, it flies in the story when it shows up. It doesn't make any sense. Um, 
I guess probably for like some sort of like balance power level reason. Yeah. I don't know. I would have been happier if they had just made it a two seven flyer. If that was that could have been a trade off, but yeah. Uh, it does show up in the Dominaria United story, doing basically the same thing it does in the original invasion block, showing up, saving a bunch of fighters, and taking them off to uh, the real battle. Um, but that's like the main legends who show up in the story. Uh, there's a couple, a few other legends of note who are important to the side story, uh, one of which is Squee, Dubious Monarch. We got another Squee card, everyone. Uh, this one kind of breaks the mold a little bit because his story also breaks the mold. Um, the previous two incarnations of Squee were like really easy to recur. The very first Squee card, Squee Goblin to Bob, uh, just comes back to your hand if it's in your graveyard. Uh, then the Squee from Dominaria allows you to cast him from the graveyard and exile, which created some really funny rules interactions. Um, and then this Squee... You can cast it from your graveyard, but it's basically got a escape from Theros Beyond Death where you pay four and exile four other cards. Uh, it's a little bit harder to get out, but it's also just a little bit better of a card. Uh, also, this is Squee lording over uh, essentially the like goblin kingdom that he has decided that he's going to lead. Uh, we'll talk about that more when we talk about his side story, which I think is going to happen next week. Um, real happy for Squee, though. Yeah. Uh, we finally get a Raven Man card, like, a thousand years after... Who's that? Never heard oh, of Oh, it's him. Limdul. Limdul the Necromancer. Uh, because sometimes if you have a fan theory and you write enough words about it and you talk about it enough on social media, it, you get... You and your pals get jobs on things. You can manifest <laughs> these things into reality. <laughs> Uh, shout out to me, Jay, and Carrie for doing that work and then it making sense enough that it just happens to be real all these years later. Uh, yeah, Liliana finds out the identity of the Raven Man. Um, it's a part of Lindul's spirit that was trapped in Mersil's ring, which is buried on the uh, the Vess family, I guess buried on is not the correct proposition, in the Vest family cemetery for one of her ancestors who has the ring now, and hooray, Raven Man. <laughs> so that's like a tiny little bit of closure. Closure isn't the right word, uh, but very important step uh, revealing his identity because then we can like do actual character and plot things with it. And... I'm mad that Jay's not here to talk about this card more, but that's just me. <laughs> we we had Jay on the whole episode where, where we talked about that. I, I could literally spend an entire episode talking about it, but also this is a Flavor Gems episode. We're in our second section section, and we're like halfway through our episodes. So yeah, I don't so uh, fair. Uh, yeah, the only thing I have to say about Raven Man is uh, cool, cool, and also we use like what fifteen year old art. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, the, the last interesting legend from the story is Braids. Not Conjurer Adept, not Cabal Minion. Braids, the Arisen Nightmare. So that's true. We got a third Braids card. It's a brand new one. It's mono black. It's really cool. She's in the story that we're going to talk about next week. Um, so uh, she's kind of come back as a manifestation of nightmares. And uh, she is 
just really fun, real fun character. Glad to have her back. Looking mm-hmm. forward to what happens the next time we go to Dominaria and we have to deal with a cabal that's under the leadership of Braids. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is uh, those are the legends that matter in this set. Uh, there's a bunch of legends. There's like 30-something in the main set, plus like a whole slew of other ones. So uh, we're going to just kind of skip over most of those. Uh, and we're going to go straight to our story spotlights. So as is typical, we have uh, 10 story spotlights. Well, I guess that's not typical, but that's what I mean we have this time. Uh, and they sort of tell the story of the set. So I will just go through them real quickly. You'll recognize a couple of them, especially this first one, Shieldred's Restoration. That was our preview card. Uh, this was when Karn found Shieldred being restored in the Caves of Koilos. And uh, yeah, she's back. Um, the next thing we have is protect the negotiators. So after Karn takes his concerns to the negotiations with the Keldans and the uh, Benalians, uh, the Phyrexians attack and they protect them. Hence, protect the negotiators. Then they all get locked in a tower and that's temporary lockdown. That's where we see Stin and Jaya and Teferi and Karn uh, and Joda trapped in a tower. Uh, Silver Scrutiny is our next story spotlight. This is where Karn is looking into his little silver looking glass to try and figure out maybe who is the Phyrexian sleeper agent, but also like what's going on out there in the world. Uh, Things are not good. Uh, We get Twinferno, which was the team up between Joda and Jaya to kill a bunch of Phyrexians. This could have happened at any point in like the last couple stories. They team up to fight Phyrexians a lot. Uh, Lightning Strike. So this sort of fast forwards a little bit into the story uh, where Jaya is... Well, first of all, it's Lightning Strike as a story spotlight, which is really cool. Uh, Jaya is fighting off some Phyrexians among the uh, Capuchins uh, as they're trying to rescue Aaron Capuchin. Uh, Heroic Charge. So we've gone forward a little bit again, and we've got the fight happening. uh, I believe this is at the Mana Rig when the Keldans and Benalians team up to charge into the Phyrexian ranks and start just tearing them apart. Uh, temporal firestorm another jaya card there's a lot of like red burn spells in our story spotlights this time around i've noticed um this is jaya teaming up with teferi to do some time magic and fire stuff it's pretty cool uh and then we get to the meat of the story as urtai's scorn this is the sort of counter spell of the set where urtai is well he's captured karn and he's being very rude about it and honestly like it's just in keeping with Urtai's character. He's kind of a jerk on fl- flavor text for a counterspell. Makes sense. Uh, and then the final story spotlight bringing us back around to our beginning, which is also our preview card, Extinguish the Light. This is Jaya's death. Goodbye, Jaya. Uh, nice knowing you. Real sad about it. Uh, and those are our 10 story spotlights and kind of in the order I think they go in. It's kind of hard to tell with some of them. Yeah, that's close enough. Close enough. I think it's it's good enough for government work. <laughs> uh, this is the private sector, though. Uh, <laughs> see, Commander Legends, not in the set. So from the Commander decks, we have uh, one of the face cards, Dahada, Binder of Wills, uh, Gaedron Dahada. It's a very ancient planeswalker, uh, usually depicted as a lady with octopus tendrils instead of legs. Uh, she is evil. Oh no, villain. Uh, <laughs> she likes uh, cursing people and uh, tricking them into service to her. 
She's kind of that kind of uh, puppeteer. She doesn't get too hands-on a lot. Um, but she's still alive and still manipulating some weird events on Dominaria. The other deck is helmed by Jared Carthalian, who had a legendary creature card from before Sparking in Commander Legends. This is his first Planeswalker card, and he's the first Black Border Wooberg Planeswalker. Congrats to him. Uh, he is one of the legendary Carthalian bloodline, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a big deal in Chlorondor, uh, still alive after the Mending, aging at a normal, uh, age now, so now he's, like, action, 80s action movie star making a comeback in his career because the people who saw his movies when he was young are now the people in charge of making movies, uh, (laughs) <laughs> he's Kurt Russell. He's Kurt Russell. That just he's he's Kurt Russell. Uh that's that's the best way to sum that up. Uh but he's he's like he's he's a good dude. He's like a hero. Looks like he's walked off the cover of a romance novel. We like Jared. Um we also have Jensen Carthalian, uh the most recent Druid Exile is his epithet. Uh Jensen is the uh current generation of Carthalians. He is one of the elder druids in um, Yavamaya and uh, has also a connection to Sarah Angels um, and uh, is, you know, just being a cool magical hero dude because that's what happens when you're a Carthalian unless you're Jayul, but that's a whole other story. The most important thing of Jensen Carthalian is that he is proof that Jared Carthalian fucked. (laughs) He had a baby. He did it. Oh, God. Uh, anyways, um, we also got cards for Ger- a card for Gerard's Hourglass Pendant, which I am not a uh, like an expert on Weatherlight Era or Invasion Block uh, flavor text or flavor or story. Or anything of that sort. Um, but I do know that this was like something very important to Gerard that was going to play a huge, huge role in the Weatherlight saga until that saga got taken away from Mark Rosewater and his uh, writing partner. And uh, they didn't get to finish the story that they wanted to write. So it kind of disappeared from the story. Uh, yeah, but- it, was supposed to be, it was supposed to be part of the legacy. Yeah, but now we, we have a card for it and it's a pretty cool card. Um, big fan of it lets you, uh, like stop people from taking extra turns and like gets your stuff back. Um, I had a chance to play both of the commander precons and they're really fun and they play really well. Uh, anyways, uh, I thought it was cool that I got a card and it was worth mentioning. Uh, we also have two legendary creatures that were part of the like set booster cards. These are not in the set. They are also not in the commander decks. Uh, one of them is Baru Wormspeaker. So Baru from uh, Future Sight, he's here. His alternate timeline. He's the uh, the new like big druid of the Crosan Forest, I believe. Uh, he is the Fist of Crosa, but he's the Wormspeaker now. Uh, his whole card is about playing worms. Pretty neat. Uh, it's fun to see like little Future Sight characters actually pop up in the story. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we we got a card for Greensleeves. We got Greensleeves Marrow Sorcerer. Greensleeves was like one of the original magic story like protagonists from the novels. She uh, gets a helmet that looks like a brain. She turns in. She's a planeswalker at a point. 
Uh, now she's a Maro sorcerer. And I think that's uh, really cool. I'm just glad they gave her a card because people have been like asking for a Greensleeves card for years. So it was real fun to get these old characters onto uh, new cards. But uh, those are like the cards in the commander decks and the like set boosters. But we also had like a whole other series of cards called the Legends Reimagined. Uh, of which there's like some really cool flavor uh, gems just in those like reimagined legends cards. Uh, I'm going to start us off with Ramirez de Pietro Pillager because this is the third Ramirez de Pietro card we've gotten. There's the original legend card. There was also a commander legends card where he's a ghost and now we have him alive again. And I just think that's really funny because he is just such a silly character concept. He's a pirate. He's just a pirate. And I love that for him. Um, we also have Torsten, founder of Banalia, who is one of yeah. my favorite cards from a flavor perspective because everything about him, like flavorfully, and his card is there, and it's so cool. So the whole thing about the the Torsten von Erstis, who was the like, you know, founder of Banalia, his whole shtick, his thing was that he united the like seven houses of Banalia. And so this card is a seven mana cost card with seven power and seven toughness. And when he dies, you get to look at the top seven cards of your library. And I think put uh, all of like the creatures into your hand. I don't, I didn't have the card up when I started thinking about this. Anyways, I've done a lot of brewing with him because I think it'd be really fun to make a deck that's just seven matters. So Ooh. I've started brewing a deck around Torsten where it's like everything with like seven power, seven toughness, seven casting costs, seven is an ability cost. Because uh, it's just cool. I think it's fun that he's like a seven themed card. Um, yeah. Uh, so next we have, uh, so I think there were 20 cards. Uh, from yes. that were remakes of Legends from Legends. Uh, 19 creatures and one Planeswalker. Uh, because we finally get canonized uh, Savitri Skarzum, uh, who we, we only knew was... So, she wasn't from Dominaria, but started a war commanding a bunch of dragons on Dominaria. Uh, and so it was long suspected that she was a Planeswalker, but never actually confirmed. And finally, we have confirmation, because she gets... Savitri Dragonmaster, a Planeswalker card. And so she's a blue-black dragon tribal Planeswalker card. And that is very cool. Uh, and because this is this little 20-card thing is aimed at Commander, she does have the can-be-your-commander rider text. Um, very cool to see her here. Yeah. And uh, also just fun that she was, like, just not what you'd expect. <laughs> a blue-black dragon commander Planeswalker. Uh, not really the colors known for dragons, but they uh, they stuck to honoring the color identity of the original Legends cards when they reimagined them. Uh, but the entire Legends reimagined thing uh, didn't really matter to me at our Legends retold, excuse me, uh, until they revealed these three cards, which are very close to my heart. Uh, we got General Marhalt Els Dragon, Ramsey's Assassin Lord, and Tetsuo Imperial Champion. Uh, these are three of the like major players in the Empire of Madara, which I just thought was really cool that they got mm -hmm. new cards for all three of them, uh, especially mm -hmm. since they all kind of sucked in their original incarnations. Uh-huh. So we, we finally get like the story of Bolus's commanders who like 
turned against each other and against him in uh, really fun and cool cards. Uh, that means it's, you know, of course, the second printing of each of them, you know, the second time we've got a Elves Dragon card and a Ramses card. But this is like another incarnation of the uh, Umazawa bloodline. We have another Umazawa card. So get your Vorthos, uh, what is it, the Vorthos Lore Steward cards and uh, get ready to build your Tetsuo decks with them. So, yeah, real cool. I'm I'm a slightly sad at Ramses Assassin Lord as a name because it doesn't remind you that his full name is Ramses Overdark, which is the edgiest, most <laughs> gritty assassin evil guy name. It's like, oh, Ramses Overdark, yeah, that guy's evil. He never met him before. Could look like the kindest, nicest dude, but you learn that name and you go, oh yeah, that guy's secretly evil. That's <laughs> that's just not a good person's name. If you're if your last name is Overdark, you're just like not allowed to be nice. Like it doesn't matter what you do in your life. Your your name is Overdark. That he Ramsey's Overdark is the name of a guy who unironically thinks the Space Marines and Warhammer are cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not the kind of guy who likes the the <laughs> Chaos Marines either. He like just thinks the Space Marines are cool. Um which is like a red flag. Anyways, those are like some of the legends retold we thought were cool. They're all pretty cool. The like lore and story behind all of them is really awesome. Big fan of them. Uh, I hope they revisit them again someday and we get some of the other legends. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think they all deserve an update, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I would love to see something like this again. Yeah. Burn's card is Urza assembles the plane. Or, uh, Urza assembles the titans. Which, love this card because as much as some people hate the fact that there are laser guns and uh, other vehicles or modern day kind of things, the Nine Titans <laughs> was super cool to me. And I love that this art, or that the card itself and the art evokes that, that saga of Urza going to recruiting all these fire uh, all these planeswalkers to go to Phyrexia try to blow it up from the inside and it goes horribly awry when Sevesh Sazat kind of does the whole black planeswalker thing and betrays them. Um, so like I I wish they would go back one day and just reprint the nine or give us card for the nine titans, but I'll sell for this for now. It's also like the first time we've gotten art for, I think it's like Christina of the Woods. Is this like mm-hmm. her first art appearance? Is like a little tiny piece of art on the saga? Uh, it is the first time we've gotten Christina of the Woods in magic card art. The second time we've gotten Daria. And the technically second time we've gotten Taysir, although his only other card appearance is in the original Phyrexian Dreadnought. And nobody knew it was him until the artist, who I believe is Pete Penner's. Let me double check that. Uh, that sounds right. Confirmed to me. that it was him. Yeah, it was Pete. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it d- does depict all nine titans: Lord Windgrace, Taysir, Christina of the Woods, uh, Commodore Guff, Freyalise, Bolivar, Tevishsat, and Daria, and that is from left to right on that card. Uh, we also have the love song of night and day, which is a long, kind of sad romance poem um uh set in uh Zalfir and uh it was 
featured on a bunch of flavor text in Mirage and Visions, and then a couple new cards throughout the years have uh, picked additional selections from it. Uh, but is it also just a real piece that was created for uh, the internal world building during Mirage. Uh, the entire Love Song of Night and Day is on the Wizards website in a noble article. Uh, you can Google and find that. It is lovely. I love the Love Song of Night and Day. I love that that is a thing that was created. And so uh, this as a saga um, just kind of gets to talk about this love song between these two people that uh, is, uh, you know, talks a lot about daily life in Zalfir and a lot of emotional yearning. It's very good. Um, big fan. Our next card is Phasing of Zalfir. The Phasing of Zalfir. And love that card. I love the fact that it um, is essentially showing the Phasing of Zalfir and then you're phasing all your creatures, destroying everything, which is a reference to, hey, Zalfir Fort now exists. And then, hey, Phyrexians are just going to warp in behind it and all the Dominarians who are left fighting are... are like, all the Phyrexes kind of just fell into water or whatnot that rushed in, but, like, you're, you're left behind fighting in the Phyrexians. Uh, and one day, Zalfir will come back. I, I'm hoping. Just hoping. Because that would be super cool. Really thought it was going to be this so, set. So did I. Really, really thought it was going to be this so, set. But I guess there was just too much else going yeah, on. Like, I, I thought it would have been a good time for it, too. Because, like, hey, what United means, like, Dominaria United. And that can mean Zalfir coming back, right? Yeah, I, I could see it. And really disappointed it wasn't this set. But I guess, I mean, it's been gone for, what, close to 20 years? No, 10 years. No. God. Mm, more than yeah. yeah, it's been gone I for feel a while. Old. I just age like. <laughs> uh, it's 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 more than yeah years. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We're old. Uh, it's 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 like twenty two years. <laughs> oh god, we have a whole episode about it. Go back and listen to it. We had the great uh, mm-hmm. Amanda Stevens on it. So mm-hmm. that episode was very good. Yeah, I'm. The sagas are kind of inscrutable, so I am actually just going to very quickly go through all the rest of them. Uh, Founding of the Third Path. Uh, this is happens during the Brothers' War. Urza and Mishra are ravaging Tercier. Uh People are starting to get upset about it because they are stripping resources from the land and destroying cities. And so a whole bunch of people get together. Artificers, educators, warriors, wizards. Uh, because... People on Terracia are starting to discover magic for the first time, uh, or rediscovering magic, I guess. Uh, and so they get together to form what's called the Third Path in Terracia City in Western Terracia uh, as a alternative to taking sides in the war of, hey, we're going to find a solution to the war that has nothing to do with either brother winning. Uh, they all die. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for a 25-year-old novel. <laughs> uh, we have Braids' Frightful Return, which is, you know, just the, the saga about Braids being pulled out of the void by the Cabal. It's the, uh, there's a, one of the side stories is all about it. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to that side story episode. The Cruelty of Gix is uh, depicting the Phyrexian Praetor Gix uh, during the events of the Planeswalker novel, where he is a constant thorn in the side of Urza and... Um, the escaped Phyrexian Newt Xantia 
and her uh, weirdo boyfriend Ratape, um, Xandra and Ratape die uh, killing Gix, but this is from the Phyrexian perspective where Gix is held up as a, as a lordly herald. Uh, the Elder Dragon War, uh, the one of the oldest known events in the multiverse, uh, the Dominarian Elder Dragons, um, the six at least who remained, I guess it's the five, Ugin wasn't there, he was busy being a planeswalker, um, but um, Chromium, Nicol Bolas, uh, ooh, excuse me, Vevictus Asmati, Palladia Mors, and Arcadia Sabbath, uh, go to war with each other, ravage the plane of Dominaria. Um, any other Elder Dragons that were there got killed, um, and, and those five are the ones who remain. Plus Piru, technically, we learn later, and Ugin, because technically Ugin wasn't there for most of the war. He kind of arrives right when the Dragon War ends. Uh, that is kind of the oldest event that happens in Dominarian history. Uh, Yosha declares war. This happens during the Brothers' War. This is the start of the Brothers' War. Uh, there's been some contested territory between Yosha, uh, which is this big uh, technologically advanced kingdom where uh, Urza currently lives um, and is very buddy-buddy with the warlord who rules it because he married her daughter because she has a fancy book that he wants with a bunch of Thran stuff. Uh, and the Falaji Empire, which is a... Coalition of smaller tribes um, who, uh, some are nomadic, some uh, are in a capital city called Tomokul. Uh, there, there's this area of desert where uh, each nation has laid claim to, and there's a bunch of little skirmishes. So they get together for peace talks, and the warlord of Yosha is like, Hey, now would be a really good time to launch a surprise attack and ravage their military forces so that we can, like, not have to fight over this land anymore. We'll just kick their asses here. And so has a bunch of Urza's ornithopters and launches an airstrike. And uh, on the other side, Mitra is like, Hey, this would be a really good time to, like, take these Phyrexian dragon engines that we excavated from the desert and, like, attack Krug. The, which is the capital of Yosha, where this is taking place. Uh, and so all of a sudden, what were supposed to be peace talks um, become this entire battle and the spark that ignites the Brothers' War, uh, as uh, Urza and Mishra are both acting as representatives for those respective nations. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> we'll learn about that soon in a set called The Brothers' War. Uh, the Weatherseed Treaty, Urza... It, Talks to the Maro Sorcerer of uh, Yavamaya Forest, Multani, uh, who agrees, hey, Phyrexia is bad. Here is some magical wood that will you can use to build an airship that will grow along with uh, this magical metal that it will also grow. We, you know, we have a peace and accord now. Thanks, Urza. And that's cool. We like the weather light. Uh, and then the world spell, which uh, Frey Elise does a whole bunch of research with the Elder Druids to end the Ice Age after 3,000 years, because everyone's tired of being cold or their heating bills are really high. Uh, and so the world spell kind of reverses the damage of the Silex Blast from the end of the Brothers' War, which we'll learn about in the set titled The Brothers' War. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Uh. Yeah, spoiler like, it's, again, it's just really weird talking about the Brothers' War as an event and novel that has existed for literally all of magic history, and then the set is coming out in, like, two months. Um, 
yeah, and so the world spell just undoes all that stuff and immediately warms up Dominaria and starts the Flood Age. Yeah. Wow. Is okay. that that's all the sagas? That's all the sagas. Alright. Uh we've got some other cool cards, and I'm just gonna like I say we just speed run our thoughts on them because we are running out of time and there's some really fun uh-huh. ones I want to talk about. Uh, I will kick it off. Uh, I think it's really cool. There's a flavor connection between the copies of Essence Scatter and Negate in this set. Uh, Essence Scatter famously countering a creature spell, Negate countering a non-creature spell. Uh, Essence Scatter shows to Fairy countering a Phyrexian spell, and Negate shows a Phyrexian countering a presumably coalition spell. So I just thought that was neat. And the flavor texts kind of like fight each other. Uh, One's from Teferi, and the other one is from Rona. So, yeah, just cool stuff. Uh, Thrill of Possibility is a reprint in this set, uh, but it does have new flavor text. Uh, The art is a goblin, uh, you know, bending over a tree branch to try and grab uh, what I believe is a dragon egg. It might be a ruck egg. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but we have a new quote from Asmarana Martica Dyson Kultikar. Uh, the most delicious ingredients are often the most dangerous to obtain. Asmarana Martica Dyson Kultikar, the Underworld Cookbook. And we love that. We love her. She's very good and funny. Chef's mm-hmm. Surprise is very excellent story. Try to track it down somewhere. It's in the Distant Plains Anthology. It's one of the best magic stories ever written, probably. Did you pull a muscle with that uh, flex? <laughs> what? <laughs> Which flex? Being able to say Asmo fully, like, without stuttering once is just, like, it was... What? Asmarana Martica Dice in a cool car? It's not that hard! Yeah, it's Asmarana Martica Dice in a cool car. It's just a, it's just sure, a name. I, I can't, uh, I'm not even gonna try. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a couple of cards that reference Pit Lords also in the set. Didn't put them on the flavor gems, because that's just a lot to talk about. But I thought that's cool. We got Lord of the Pit references. Uh, so Meteorite is another reprint in the set. Uh, and it's not just a normal chunk of space rock. Uh, the flavor text says, Material at dig site 165 beta confirmed to be of null moon origin. Immediate excavation assistance requested. Talaria Field Dispatch. Uh, and you look at the art, it is literally just a hunk of Thran metal from the null moon, which got a big hole put in it by the Weatherlight during the <laughs> Phyrexian invasion. And so pieces of it, I guess, occasionally fall down to Dominare, which is really cool. Um... The, the Null Moon Liker has logged on. It's me. I love the Null Moon. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so it's it's a very cool interpretation of a meteorite and also like this very cool, unique piece of Dominaria world building. Yeah. I put that on the list because I knew you'd want to talk about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we also have um, one of my favorite cards, uh, Citizen's Arrest, which is just kind of disarmingly cute. In a way, it's just very funny. There's just a guy arresting uh, a sleeper agent whose face like splits in half and shows their like Phyrexian head inside. Um, I thought this card was great because it reminds me of that scene from uh, Total Recall when uh, (laughs) two weeks and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger inside the lady's head. Um, Just fun. Just a fun card. Uh, Shore Up and Monstrous War Leech are two new cards in the set that both depict Homerid. Shore Up just showing Homerid, a uh, piece of Homerid magic on the card. And Monstrous War Leech, if you look very closely, is being ridden by a Homerid, a very rare uh, mounted warrior and mount card where the mount is the creature type. Um, mm-hmm. And so, as a Homerid fan, uh, you know, obviously I'm happy. <laughs> and it's weird. 
now people are making Homerid cards that aren't specifically for me, which is a weird thing to say. And it's weird that I'm like the only person on the planet that can say that. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Homerid cards have kept existing on Dominaria. It is very heartfelt to me to see. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, Monstrous Warleech is part of a cycle that we're not going to go into depth here, but there's a whole cycle of uncommon, I believe, creatures with an off, like an ally color or off color kicker cost uh, that shows two different, like, Dominarian species or peoples teaming up. So see if you can find them all in the set. Um, I thought it was a cool little cycle. Uh, My next card I wanted to mention is Talus Lookout. This is the first Talus card we've gotten since Portal Second Age. Like, they're like these, like, wind-riding, windship pirates. They're really cool. I was in love with Mm -hmm. these cards when I, like, first started playing Magic because I thought it was so cool that they had guns and they were, like, pirates and it was fun. Um, Built, like, my very first deck around some of the Talus cards. Uh, So it was really fun to see that in a modern Magic set for the first time since, like, the 90s. Our next card is Soul of Windgrace. Um, this card is super cool. I love the fact that Windgrace uh, imbued his power into uh, Urborg when he sealed, when he closed the rift there. And like Sarah kind of uh, left, like with that spirit, uses it to protect the citizens there. And I love how like this card is actually a display of that uh, residual power emanating there. Yeah, it was one of the only cards I wanted from this set, and I opened a foil one in my pre-release. Lucky. So, yeah. Uh, My next card is Threats Undetected, which is another one of the Blanks Unblanked series. So we've got uh, Gifts Ungiven and Realms Uncharted, and now we have Threats Undetected which runs a similar idea of you search your library for four cards with different names of a certain type. In this case, it's creatures. You reveal them, and uh, your opponent puts two of them in your graveyard, and you put the other two in your hand. So just a really fun like card-type cycle thing that they're making. Um, love that it's like blanks unblinked every time. Uh, oh, they're shuffled in this time. That's true. They're not put in your graveyard, which is different. But still, uh, has, it's, it's way worse. It's way worse. But it does uh, have the same like art style as the other ones of a person like reclining. And this time it's a Phyrexian sleeper agent. Um, we also have uh, a pair of legended legends that we didn't talk about earlier because they don't really matter to the story. And that's Rith, Liberated Primeval, and Namada, Primeval Warden. Uh, we discussed this a little bit in an earlier episode. I think when we were talking about the original invasion block. Uh, Rith is one of the primeval dragons who was, uh, for a long time, sealed inside of Namada, who was just like a tree folk, like elemental. Uh, and now Rith is out again, and Namada's hunting him down. It's great. <laughs> so, her, her, excuse me. Namada's hunting her down, uh, which is fun. Yeah, so we also did get a little tidbit from the Legends article uh, confirmed Rith is the daughter of Palladia Moors. Uh, we've been very slowly getting some uh, parental lineage of Dominaria's <laughs> dragons. Uh, Rith is the daughter of Palladia Moors. Uh, Croesus is the son of Chromium and Piru. Uh, and we now know that Daragaz, as a Shivan dragon, uh, comes from a long line of dragons that are the descendants of Evictus Asmati. So uh, we, we are very slowly cobbling together a big family tree of Dominaria's dragons, and that's very cool. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think Jay has a family tree on his Twitter, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you can go look at that. Uh, the next one is my fault. <laughs> uh, you ever you ever write a flavor text pun, and four years later, someone makes a legendary creature inspired by it? Because uh, in Modern Horizons one, we had a card excavating Anurid with the flavor text "Turg spawn ruled long after he croaked." Turg was this Anurid monster thing that was a lackey of uh, Laquitus, the uh, merfolk who, the merfolk villain of that set uh, story thing in uh, Odyssey Block. And so uh, Turg is a character who existed, and my flavor text to to make a bad croak pun in the card that references Odyssey Block. Uh, you know, Turg's name got referenced and, you know, technically created the potential for canon that he had kids. And now we have Erg, Spawn of Turg, who's one of those kids. <laughs> uh, and and so now we just have a canonical child of Turg who exists in modern day Dominaria. And uh, you're welcome, world, I guess. <laughs> Erg, Spawn of Turg, Spawn of uh, Lorelei's Flavor Text. Yeah, big, big fan, by the way, of uh, Erg being the next letter from Turk. Uh, <laughs> next, I guess, would be Verg. But, uh, you know, that's for future text teams to decide, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no one wrote their names next to Zur Eternal Schemer. By the way, Zur is still alive. <laughs> me, yeah. me, me a little disappointed he's not some Herald of Merit Lage, because that's what I always wanted him to do. But uh, Zur is a character from the Ice Age. Uh, he led a bunch of fanatical wizards out in the Attacar Wastes uh, in a search for immortality, and he found it. Uh, and now was also teaching at the Talarian Academy, and everyone thinks he's kind of sketch, but also he's really smart, so they kind of let him stick around, and it's all very comical. Uh, Sulphur Spring uh, is a, a reprint, one of the Pain Lands, uh, and in the little uh, volcanic pool there, the the uh, the caustic volcanic pool uh, is the skeleton of a devil, which is a reference to the original Sulphurous Springs art, which has a little devil sitting in this caustic spring like it's a hot tub. And uh, apparently, if you stay in there too long, your skin and muscle get stripped off your bones. Oops. Uh, I think that's a wonderful art callback. Very delightful to see. Uh, and we have Relic of Legends, which uh, is a Coalition Relic, which itself was a reference card to, uh, in, in Time Spiral, the Coalition Relic is from the Time Spiral block, and, and a reference to the Coalition uh, Shield logo thing from the Invasion block. So we have a reference to a reference, and that is the essence of Dominara United, if I ever saw one. And our last card is Archangel of Wrath. And I just love the fact that this is a callback to Akroma's, like, to Akroma, basically. And I feel like Akroma really didn't have followers that were angels because she was a one-off made by uh, um, Ixidor. Um, but the fact that there are Dominarian angels who are in her order or or follow or take her as a role of inspiration to the point where they like they look very similar is really interesting to me. And I'd love to know more about that story. Yeah. I know a chroma got read the last time on our, I say we, uh, there was mention about how a chroma got wrapped up into the church of Sarah. Um, 
and how there's like like a sect of the church that worships her and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see that specific like armor style and stuff carried forward. Uh, and that's that's it for this episode. I was <laughs> skipping final thoughts. Yeah, there's there's so many cards in the set. Like literally every legendary creature in the set um, is uh, some kind of reference to something. Um, I believe Ethan Fleischer on Twitter did a bunch of threads about a lot of those things. Um, I know he has one thread where he talks about all the Legends Remastered Legends, and I think he has a separate thread for all the Legends in uh, the set itself. Um, So if you want to hear about more of those characters who are irrelevant to anything other than deep cuts that we don't have time for, um, then... uh, Check out Ethan's Twitter. Yeah, there's like 48 Darians we didn't even talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan's Twitter is just at Ethan Fleischer. It's F-L-E-I-S-E-S-C-H-E-R. Uh, Ethan, good bean. Should grab Ethan for the show again. I love when he's on. Um. Yeah, you know, I'm just... It's all right with y'all. I'm just going to go into the ending yep, spiel here. You know, just tell them, tell them how to give us money. <laughs> to, to give us money? Uh, well, then you can head over to patreon.com slash That and there's a give us money button that you can click. Um, the good news is, uh, even at minimum donation amounts, if you support us on Patreon, you have access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are getting psyched up for Brothers War. Like, I literally cannot contain my personal excitement for this, and I've been told many times recently that that excitement is infectious. So please get on our Discord if you want and to talk about this and talk about Ashnod's Gothbob, because it's the only thing that matters. She's so, she's so excellent. Um, and we just... It's, it's good. Ashnod. Uh, we like her. Come talk about her on Discord via Patreon, because that's cool, and we like making the show, and we like that people listen to the show. So thank you, all of you Vorthoses out there who listen to us. Uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast.